This is On and Off Your Mat Podcast, episode 137, Practicing Self-Care According to Your Sign. Did you know that self-care practices are not a one-size-fits-all? And that your birth chart, so your sign or a few different things in your birth chart, actually contains very important clues on what kind of self-care you need? I didn't until I sat down with Ashley Sundergaard. For more than nine years, Ashley has studied yoga, meditation, astrology, and mindfulness practices that prioritize self-care and self-discovery. After having two girls, three now by the time you listen to this recording, Ashley discovered the hard way that taking care of yourself first is the only way to take care of others. Today, she supports her clients in up-leveling their everyday routine into magical self-care rituals. I would really love to read your takeaways on today's episode, so as you listen, go ahead and take a screenshot of the episode and share one of your takeaways, something you learned, on Instagram tagging at on and off your mat podcast. I will of course reshare you, but the idea is that everybody will be able to read your takeaways and we can go deeper into the content of each episode together, we can learn and grow as a community. All right, let's get to today's episode with Ashley. Hi, Ashley. Hi, Erica. Thank you so much for joining me today. Oh my gosh. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to chat. I'm excited to chat about this with you as well. Before we dig in our subject of today, can you start us off by telling us a little bit about yourself and your journey? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, my name is Ashley. I am a longtime yoga teacher. I'm a self-care coach. I'm an astrologer. I am a mama of two, almost three little girls. 2.999, and- <laughs> literally like almost there. And I love to combine the wisdom of astrology with wellness practices by using the birth chart to really individualize self-care and make that something that mm. we can actually use and navigate day to day. So I do a lot of things and I'm excited to chat. Yeah. So where did your passion for astrology came from? And like bringing that into self-care, like how did that happen? It was kind of an accident really, like, (laughs) because they're not always something that pairs well together. So right when COVID started, I had already been really interested in in astrology. Again, had been teaching yoga for like 10 years at this point. And all of a sudden, you know, we're not teaching in the studios anymore. We're teaching Mm -hmm. online. I'm doing these workshops and things that were just so fun and so different. And I started to work with an astrologer friend of mine on kind of like theming yoga classes around new moons, full moons, things like that, Mm self-care. And I got so excited about just understanding my own birth chart, I remember just feeling like, oh, there you are. That's who you are. That makes so much Mm -hmm. sense. And like had this sense of empathy for myself and other people and that understanding of like, oh, okay, your birth chart really tells you who you are. And that's when I started to study it even further and really look at like, how can this thing, this thing that looks kind of like math or something. How can this help us get more specific on our day-to-day practices? And if you remember when COVID started, everyone was like at home, they were doing all the cool workouts. I feel like they were, you know, we're doing everything online. We're like going, we're making sourdough bread. You know, it's just kind of like a free-for-all. And I was like, wow, this could be it. Really using the birth chart to get super specific on how I can navigate my own practices, personalize them. And then I started to teach more classes around this 
started working with friends and family, eventually clients. And now almost three years later, it's what I do full-time, cosmic self-care, all things astrology and wellness. That's so fun. Like I love that little lens through, you know, you can look at self-care through that lens. So with that, because that's how you approach it, how do you describe or how do you define self-care for yourself, for your clients, just so we're on the same page, because there's so many definitions. It's such like a buzzy word. And so I'd like to see like, how do you think of it? Yeah, I know. I asked you this question too when you were on my podcast, Yoga Magic, and it is so individualized. And because mm -hmm. self-care is so, I don't know, it's like such a product now, you know, it's like so commercialized. Mm -hmm. I do feel like it gets a little watered down. So in my opinion, self-care is anything that allows you to get closer to your best, highest self, right? Whatever practice, whatever choice even mm -hmm. brings you closer to your highest potential. And self-care can be so many things, right? It can be bubble baths and, you know, chamomile tea at the end of the night. It can also be setting boundaries that are really tough. It can also be doing shadow work that allows you to pull mm. out some of your junk, right? And that's yeah. not always fun and easy, fun. but it's still bringing you closer again to the highest potential for yourself. Yeah. In the grand, you know, scheme of thing in the big picture of your life, it's not about necessarily the moment to moment, like, how do I feel good now? Because I think we often use self-care or the label of self-care for actually doing practices that might be numbing or avoidant. Totally. And we're like, oh, I'm doing self-care by not having this conversation or I'm doing self-care by having an extra dessert or an extra glass of wine yep. or right where in the moment feeling better in the moment might not actually be self-care and what you think makes you feel good in the moment can actually like hinder your wellness or your highest potential in the long run as you put it right I'm glad you brought that up because I've been thinking about this a lot lately with this all of the really honestly horrendous things that are happening in the U.S. right now around mm -hmm. The Supreme Court and just like all of this, you know, I'm literally going to give birth any second and my nervous system can't handle mm -hmm. engaging in a conversation that I would love to have when I am not in this state. So I kind of have to escape. And for me, that is self-care right now. Mm -hmm. And in a couple months from now, let's dig in, let's get crazy. Let's get active. Let's like go out and protest. Right. But I can't do that right now. I have to self-care and protect myself in this particular moment. So it's so different day to day, time to time in terms of like what choices we can make for ourselves. I'm glad you brought up that point of escapism because it's real. It comes back to self-awareness and self-study and being really honest with what you need and what it looks like versus what you're trying to accomplish with that mm -hmm. behavior. Mm -hmm. I agree. Mm -hmm. All right. I feel like we're digressing, but we'll come back. <laughs> Like we can do that. <laughs> I know, I know. So let's talk before we like look into the different practices according to our signs and all the things. What do we need to know about astrology or about like the basic birth chart before we can look into what it is we need and how we can implement those in our life? 
Yeah. So astrology is kind of having a moment. I feel like it's definitely something (laughs) that more and more people are excited about. You know, we're in this Aquarian age and I'm doing workshops for corporate clients and and Mm. teams. And it's just Mm -hmm. like, this is awesome. Astrology though, is something that, you know, I can't give you tons of data on. I'm not going to be able to be like, here's all the science behind it. And that's, (laughs) that's kind of the beauty of astrology though. Yeah. (laughs) You know, part of it. Astrology is the study of the planetary and cosmic beings and bodies and how they influence our world and our lives. And our birth chart is a snapshot of the sky the minute that we were born. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, what was happening in the sky at that exact time? How was that influencing us as we are emerging onto this earth in this life? And what's really cool about the birth chart is that it doesn't change. It is exactly as it is. You know, you get your birth date, time, and information. You look at that chart and you see, oh, here's where the sun was, here where the moon was. This is who you are. Preconditioning of life, preconditioning Mm. of partners and jobs and moves, all the things. It's who you are at a soul's level. And it shows you not only, you know, who you are in that positive expression, that highest self, but it also shows you potential for shadow, right? Here's the areas that you might have to work on. And I think that's what, again, I was talking about like the, when I really started to see my chart, I was like, oh yes, it's okay. It's okay to have these things, you know, to have these challenges, these things that we want to work towards. So the birth chart, again, is really who you are at a soul's level, what you are here to meant to do and everything from, you know, your career path to your daily self-care practices. So how do we know when we look at our birth chart, what kind of self-care practices we might need? Like, what do we need to look at? What's the information we need to gather? Where do we go from? Okay, I put in the internet my birth time and day and city. Now what? <laughs> I know it's what's awesome is that most of the stuff is, I mean, all of it is free. You can get this stuff, all this information for free. It's hard to know though what to do with it. You're like, uh, okay, cool. So first you do need to get your exact birth date, time and location. Okay. If you have trouble finding that you can call, you know, hospitals, you can call your County. There's ways to do this if you really want to find it, but make sure, you know, if you don't have it, it's okay. We can work with it that accurate time is really going to help. So once you have that information, there's tons of ways to access your birth chart. There's lots of different websites. My favorite website is the astrologer Chani Nicholas, her website. It's just chaninicholas.com. She uses a house system called Whole Sign Houses. And this is kind of advanced astrology, but just for listeners that might be like, ah, this doesn't look similar to what I've looked up before. Whole Signs puts the houses into 12 signs. So it makes it really clean to look at and easy to work with. Okay. So just some basics there. Then when you're looking at your chart, I like to pull out three specific placements to understand Mm -hmm what to do. Okay. What am I going to do with this information? The sun is the first one, right? The sun is so important. This is what you're going to look up in a horoscope when you normally look up your horoscope and people, you know, are like, oh, I'm a cancer. So I am this and this and this. And it's true. The sun is super important, but it's only one piece of the chart. You have to remember that there's lots of other things happening. It's a very important part, but it's not everything. So the sun is the place to look at where you draw energy, okay? Mm -hmm. If you're thinking about self-care practices, the sun is going to say, this is the flavor of your energizing practices. You know, what brings you into the light? What brings you that vibrancy? What brings you that fuel? 
Can you remind mm-hmm. me what your sun sign is? I'm a Virgo. Virgo. Okay. So Virgo in the sun energizes around details and details of like the beauty of this world, right? So like going for a walk and seeing the flowers and like touching a tree and like feeling the textures. The butterflies. And I love the butterflies. Yes. <laughs> and like taking that time to be really, really present. Virgo is really organized. You know, there's sort of like, there's stereotypes for all of these signs. And a lot of them mm-hmm. are somewhat accurate, mm-hmm. really organized. But that, again, that comes from like this idea of details. Virgo also loves a routine, love self-care. I mean, I, <laughs> I know that you do. I know that this is work that you do. Loves that day to day. So setting up regular practices that you can come back to, that you can mark off the list, that's going to be very energizing for you mm-hmm. and getting out in nature because Virgo is an earth sign. Take a big breath. <laughs> so the moon, the moon is the next placement to look at. And we look at the moon for really those more emotional practices, Mm. the self-study, right? If you think Mm -hmm. about like, okay, the sun is fuel and it's workouts and it's getting outside. It's sort of like the more, what you would think of as self-care traditionally, the moon is going to be those self-study practices. How do you tap into who you are on a subconscious level? Mm. Who is that deeper layer of who you are? Not everyone is going to know you on a moon level, right? Maybe your closest friends, maybe your partners will know that moon part of you. Maybe you don't even know that part yet. And that's why it's so important to access that. So if you, okay, tell me what your moon is. Pisces. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yes. So water is so deep. I love it. So when you have a water moon, Pisces is a water sign. There's so much depth to this and it's an access of really emotion on its fullest level of like being able to really feel, not hold it in, not, you know, really like even modify it in any way, just let it flow. Pisces feels really nurtured. And when we talk about the moon, we think of the sense of nurturing. Pisces feels nurtured in that spirituality practice, in that like unseen things. So things that are, you know, hypnosis, that's very Piscean, you know, being able to do deep meditation where you're really getting there is another great way to do some self-study for Pisces moon dream work. Holy buckets, Pisces moons. Do you have pretty vivid dreams? I don't. I, I don't. I used to have nightmares and night terrors for years. Okay. I okay. did. And I did some work to get rid of those. And now I basically have no dreams at all that I can remember. But you did it. You did that work to sort of move out of, because that's pretty common are like night terrors. Like you often see children that have a lot of Pisces in their chart will have night terrors and things. So that's amazing that you worked with that. And your grounded Virgo sun is going to be so helpful at keeping kind of the feet on the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, so Pisces is just very open, very intuitive, and has that connection to things that we can't see. Pisces also really can benefit from resting, really like taking that time to rejuvenate if it's in the moon or really anywhere. So think of your moon practices as those ways to tap into nurture that inner self. And then the third placement is something you may have not looked up before, and that's your Mars. Mm -hmm. So your Mars is really how you're motivated. It's your triggers. It is (laughs) your 
what like actually gets that fire lit under your butt to go and do the things. So I like to look at Mars to see, okay, you've got these ideas in place. You know that you're energized in the sun in this way. You know that your self-discovery is here. How can you actually get these practices going? Mm -hmm. Do you happen to know your Mars? Mm -hmm. Leo. Yes. Okay. I love all signs. I'm always feeling like like cheerleading for every single one, but Leo is a good placement for the Mars because it's fiery, right? It's like ready to go out and do the things. Yeah. So Mars in Leo is really motivated by, I want to say being seen, but it's not like, Hey, look at me, look at my attention. It's more like, Hey, this is really important. And I want to set an example. I want to set an example for other people. Leo is very generous. It's a teacher. Leo is out in the world, making the world better. And they just want to make sure that other people see that so that they can do that too. Mm -hmm. So, you know, doing your yoga practice and all the amazing things that you're doing in a public setting, like a podcast, like on Instagram, that is motivating. And other people might benefit from doing it in private. You benefit and you help a lot of people by doing it on more of a platform. So, you know, that Leo and Mars is so, so motivating and it's super creative. Mm, That's true. I am (laughs) definitely a creative person. So we looked at my sign, obviously, which is not the same for everybody. Where can they start? Like, are there things in common? Like, let's say all earth signs will have, you know, like if they're in sun, like there's this in common or is there kind of general things or do people need to go really one by one and look at all the details? How can they do that? Yeah. Well, let's talk about the elements a little bit and just break them down. All of the signs, all 12 signs fall into a specific element. So if you think about your sun sign and how you're energizing, there's a flavor to that, right? Mm -hmm. So let's talk about the elements in that sun. Earth is going to feel super energized by grounding practices, getting out in nature, you know, meditating, getting your feet on the ground, eating nourishing foods, things that are connected to the actual earth. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's energizing. Water is a lot more connected to those fluid, intuitive practices that can be, you know, taking time to journal, that can be taking a bath, literally Mm -hmm. taking a bath, slow practices like yin, restorative yoga. Those are going to be really, really great for a water sun. Air in the sun is stimulated as energized around intellect, around learning new things, around being able to be social, chat, you know, be with other people, process in community and has absorption, going out and experiencing life through ideas and communication. And then fire really is energized through change, whether that be movement, you know, like activating your body through a hard workout or creating something, you know, creating a clay mold into something Mm. that's beautiful. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So really going out and feeling that fire, that change is a beautiful sun practice for a fire sign. It's a little different in the moon. I'll briefly touch on them. You know, earth has to do a little extra digging in order to access those emotions and do that self-study because they're just more pragmatic, more grounded when you have an Mm -hmm. earth moon. Air moons are really seeking to understand their emotions. Like, what is this telling me? Why is this coming up? What can I do with this information? Water moons just need to let it flow. Like I told you, just (laughs) let it out. Don't hold it in. (laughs) 
And then fire, their emotions and their, you know, the study of emotions, it comes in fast and furious and being able to take a beat, like let that, that's fine. You're not doing anything wrong. Fire moons by having it come in fast and furious, but like pull back and work with it now, right? We're thinking about change. We're thinking about action. What can you do with this emotion that's just instinctively coming in? Anything we need to know about Mars in general? Mars is hard because it's pretty individualized for each sign. You know, find your Mars and just study the flavor of that sign, right? What Remembering that it's about motivation and triggers and just seeing Mm -hmm. how you can link those two together. Yeah. Yeah. And so like my Mars is in Capricorn. So I'm really motivated by success, right? Like being able to say like, I have the certification. I did it. (laughs) You know, like (laughs) here's the number of downloads. Like this is, that feels good to me. That's motivating to me. Whereas Mm -hmm. someone with, you know, a totally different, I'm trying to think of like, what would be so different cancer, you know, cancer in Mars would be, I'm really motivated by just taking care of others and just sharing and being with them and holding space for them. That's really motivating. So mm-hmm. studying the flavor of that sign will be super helpful. And so once we like have a bit of information, we've dug in, we're like, okay, I think I'm, you know, this type of practices would help me. This type of practice would help me. And we start, how do we know that we're like on the right track? We're doing the right thing. If we're not hundred percent sure. And we're kind of totally new to astrology and our birth chart. It is an experiment. I think what's cool about the birth chart is it's going to take a huge amount, a well of practices and whittle them down. So you don't have so many choices, but then Mm. you have to experiment a little. I tell clients, give a practice five days, try it on for five days, see how it goes. And if it feels good, it feels like it's nurturing you stick with it. If not move on, on. try something new being versatile having lots of variety, totally great. Especially for people that have a lot of air in their chart, you know, like wanting to change it up. Great. You are not going to stick with the same practices forever, but give these, except if you're a Virgo, maybe, maybe if you're a Virgo, (laughs) maybe there's a couple of signs that are like, yes, this is what I want to do. But if it feels good, it feels good. You know, you'll know. And there's, you don't want to should on yourself about this stuff, right? I should be doing these practices every day. But you got to give yourself some time to get it in your system to see if it's working. You know, try again, try five days, see what happens. And if you're like, nope, this journal practice is not for me. Great. Let it go. Try something new. Mm-hmm. I love that idea of five days because it's not a commitment of like 20 something or 30 or 40 days, right? Five days is like, it's short enough for you to be like, okay, I'm willing to do five times five days of different things to figure out what works best for me. And if we do find many practices, just because life is constantly changing and we're in different situations or different seasons or different season of our lives, we might need to have more tools, right? We might not need the exact same thing all the time. So I think it's good to maybe have a couple in your back pocket that maybe you're not using right now, but you know that they're useful to you. So in one day, if you do the thing you usually do and it's quite not, you know, doing enough for you, then you can pull one other out and be like, let me try this one today. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like to call that the self-care emergency toolkit where you have this (laughs) this little toolkit of things, you know, that work, Mm -hmm. you know, and they can be bougie. Like, getting a massage. Hey, I'm having a really tough week. I need that thing. And I know it's there. That's okay. can also be regular meditation practice. You know, this stuff doesn't have to cost money, but knowing what suits you and being able to pull from that can really set you up for success when times get kind of tough because they do. We know that. 
Yeah. Yeah. And if we think of our self-care practices as a way to reach our highest potential, it's also different, right? Like the goal that we're aiming towards is a bit more than like the way I usually define it is about your optimal wellness and health, Mm -hmm. because I think Mm -hmm. that allows you then to go to your highest potential. Like this is kind of the foundation work for everything else, but like thinking even a step further and be like, what would actually help me? Because it's not only like we talked about, you know, self-care versus like numbing or ourselves or, but when we keep that long shot goal, that big picture goal of like, what's my highest potential and how do I get there? Which practices are going to help me nurture myself to move there? I think that's a really interesting practice in itself to just reflect mm-hmm. on it and experiment. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what's really cool bringing it back to the chart is that Again, knowing that there's a shadow and there's a light to all parts of your chart, you can see, you have a pretty clear path of like that highest version of yourself. You can see what it looks like and outline it. I'll use myself as an example. I'm a cancer mm-hmm. son. Please. And I know that the highest version of myself is this nurturer, is this like mother, like being and teacher intuitive and all of these things that like, I know that I am those things. My shadow is that I tend to take on sort of like that victim mentality, but like, who's taking care of me, right? Why, you know, I'm taking care of everyone else. Who's taking care of me? So I know that. And I can catch myself Mm. in those moments of like, am I just whining? Like in this pregnancy, I've been pretty whiny, (laughs) just like a lot. And I'm like, oh, okay. You know, you can do this. Stop whining, right? It's sometimes tough, but like, this isn't serving you to be, all the time complaining, right? And so I can pull myself up. So I can, the birth chart has so much information to use in your practices. Do you think that the shadow, when you notice the challenges you experience, is that the time and place where you might need more of that self-care that's on a cosmic level? I mean, definitely. Yeah. Right. I think that's like, there's always going to be a time where you're showing up as maybe you're not the best version of yourself. And that's a great way to pull out of it. I also think we have to give ourselves grace, right? We are human. And there are times where we're going to just be that shadow version. And it's not realistic to think that we're going to be the best self all the time. It's just not. No, no, I think knowing what it looks like to catch yourself first. And then if you can use those practices to just kind of pull yourself out of a funk, if you're in one. Yeah. That's what I mean. Like as a way of truly taking care of yourself, like that shadow or side can be a clue of like, I need a little bit more nurturance right now. I need a little bit love, a little bit more love right now. You know, I need a little bit more inspiration, motivation, whatever, you know, that self-care can bring. But like, it's just like pointing out like, "Mm," like you're going down a road that's making you feel this way. Like maybe it's time to pivot. And it's not about like, feeling bad about your shadow side, but just using it as a cue, you know, as like, okay, I need to take care of myself. Yeah. Like as a way to actually love on yourself. That's a great way to describe it. Mm -hmm. You can see yourself. And the other thing is, it's like, you know, you and I kind of talked about self-awareness. It's hard to be self-aware. It's hard to be self-aware enough to know like, oh, I'm tapping into my shadow a little bit. Got to pull myself out because we're just in the mundane. We're in the day to day. And <laughs> you, I, am, I was just listening to that episode. So it's like so fresh in my head, this idea of autopilot, like that is so key is like, if you can pull yourself out of autopilot, 
in whatever way and catch yourself and see yourself, then you can get closer to that highest self through practices, through routines. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's actually not overly difficult, but we are busy. We're doing the life. We're doing the things. I'm guilty of it too. Heck yeah. Of course. Of course. And I think because self-awareness practices are not easy and they're not necessarily fun because we get to see things that we might not want to see all the time, right? That's part of it. The astrology lens is interesting because as you were saying in the beginning, things make sense. Like you can feel a little bit validated in the way you feel. Be like, oh yeah, I'm not crazy. Obviously this is why, or this is partly why I've had these experiences in my life. So I think if maybe self-awareness is challenging for you, maybe astrology is a fun way to get into it a little bit or all the other, you know, personality tests and like anagram or human design, like maybe Mm -hmm. all of these things could be a gentler way to start your self-study and self-awareness practices, being kind of told and looking into where you relate and what you agree with, and then starting to observe those things happening in your life. What do you think? Absolutely. Oh my gosh. And it's fun. It's fun to I do think this, it's fun right? Too. Like who doesn't want to like study themselves? You know, what's really cool to Erica is like, as you start to dabble in other modalities, right? Like you're like, I'm going to look up my chart and I'm going to look up human design. <laughs> I'm going to look at Instagram. They all overlap. They're all the yeah. same. It's so yeah. cool. I work with a- Yet a, they point another... different things out, but it does overlap, True. but it gives you different perspective, which makes it so interesting. Like you don't have to only pick one. You can use all of them. Yeah. I work with a human design reader. We read together. So I'll read a birth chart. She'll read the human design chart and we pull out those synchronicities and there's so many. It's Mm. so cool. And you know, what's cool about human design is it really gives you a path of action. Like, how do you apply this? Mm -hmm. And the birth chart again is like, who are you? So yeah, if you're somebody who's like, I don't know what self discovery, you know, self-study is, these are some of the best places and most fun to start. Yeah, I agree. And then you can discover all the next steps, you know, what are the self-care practices you need? What are kind of actions you need to take, you know, and different, like, how do you collaborate with people better? Like there's so many different avenues you can look at then, which is super useful. Mm -hmm. I think so. So obviously we are slightly biased. <laughs> so what do you say to people who are like, you know what? Astrology is bullshit. Like I, yeah. I don't believe in it. Like I'm fully skeptic. Like this is really like just made up. What do you say? To these oh people? man. There's different types. I mean, of if like they're haters. still listening, they're, they might, they might be gone already, but just in case they're they still might on. Be. You know, so I grew up in a very conservative Catholic family. And so Uh this has been quite the ride to tell my family what I do. And (laughs) they're for the most part, like they're very loving. So they get it. But I don't have a lot of energy to convince people. And when people say, oh, I don't really believe it. That's okay. You know, what I just love to share is that even if it is a bunch of bull, even if it is like, I don't think it is, but for some reason, if this is all someone proves me wrong in the future, it still makes us feel really good. And it still challenges us to be a better version of ourselves. And honestly, it works. It works. I don't think I've ever been in a reading one time. One time I was in a reading and this woman was like, this doesn't sound like me. And I'm like, oh man, do we have your birth chart wrong? Like what's going on? And I couldn't figure it out. Pause, pause, pause. She tells me at the end, she's like, 
I think you're reading from my twin. She was a twin. And if you have a twin sibling, you share the chart with someone else. So like I was reading and telling her all about her twin brother. And there was all this (laughs) other part of the chart that like we hadn't really accessed. That was her. So I don't know. It works. That's all that matters to me. If it's placebo, then fine. I mean, placebo works. Like if you've seen the studies, right? <laughs> might as well take right? a placebo if you ask me, because it has the same impact on your system. So whatever's going to help you. I wouldn't dictate my life around it though. I think that's the thing that people want immediate answers, right? They mm. want the immediate fixes. They want to know when am I going to meet my partner? When am I going to get pregnant? When am you know, all these things. And I don't work like that. I don't really like predictive astrology. I can tell you here's the energy of the summer. Here's the energy of this time. And here's what you can do to step into that energy, to magnetize the things that you want. I'm just, I'm not going to be able to tell you the exact truth. And I think astrologers that are sometimes get themselves into trouble. Some are really good at it, honestly. And some just, again, it's like, how can we work with what we have? How can we work with our own gifts and our own shadows to bring in what we want. We have free will. The chart is not dictating our lives. We have absolute free will and how we show up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I want to ask you one last thing before we wrap this up. Obviously you're a mom already, but you're about to be a mom of three, like tomorrow or (laughs) in the next few days. Oh my God. (laughs) Um, Your birth chart is not going to change. Your self-care practices technically should look the same, but for all our other moms listening out there, how does it change as you become a mom? Like what is going to change in your practices in the next few months or in the next couple of years, considering that you're the same person, but something huge has shifted in your life? Mm, That's a really good question. Thanks for asking that. You know, I have a plan of what I want to do. I'm going to start out really big. I have this big plan. And you know, it's probably going to whittle down to about five, 10 minutes. When baby number three is here, the realities just change. But I am committed. And I always work with clients in that you have to commit to some time for yourself, five minutes, 10 minutes. And you need to communicate with your beings, with your people around you, with your support system, that this is your priority. It does not have to be huge. It really doesn't. And getting up, doing five minutes of meditation, maybe 10, like that can change the game. That can make your day totally different, right? So I think, again, it's like knowing what you want, being flexible with that, and also communicating to your Mm -hmm. support system that this is a non-negotiable, that this is a priority. And being committed. Being committed for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, if you have the opportunity to do some of the study work to understand what it is that does fill you up, it's hard to kind of know when you're in the fog of like life. So Mm -hmm. before something really life-changing, it's not even, you know, just having children, it's like new jobs and moves and, you know, loss, things that are really can jolt us. Having a plan that you know you can tap into when times are shifting is just, man, it's going to save you a lot. Mm, that's a very good point. Anything else you want to add before we finish? Like if there's one takeaway you'd like listeners to leave with on their cosmic self-care journey, what would that be? Oh man, you know, self-care, especially as women is pretty radical. And I think that we are changing the game. I think our generation is really taking back some power. So if you feel any guilt, if you feel any sense of you know, I'm selfish, 
stop it because we are so important. We can change the world and we have to prioritize our own needs first. We have to be radical and we're going to change the game. The next generation is this won't even be a conversation, right? Their self-care is just a given. So don't let anyone, yourself or others, tell you that this isn't important because it is. Mm, I love that. I'll put all your info in the show notes, obviously. But in the meantime, where's the best place for people to find you if they want to ask follow-up questions, they want to say hi, or they want to work with you in some capacity? Oh, thanks, Erica, for having me. I love chatting. And I know I feel like we have aligned like brains a little bit, <laughs> stuff, a little <laughs> yoga world. So I do have a free cosmic self-care mini course. It's called discover your self-care style. If people want to kind of understand a little bit more about their own charts. Perfect. And then if you'd like to work together, I'm booking out in September. We, I do one-on-one cosmic self-care sessions where we look at your chart and then I build you a plan. And then I work again with a human design reader as well as birth chart reading. So would love to navigate people's charts. If you just want to learn a little bit about this stuff, head on over to my podcast at Yoga Magic Podcast. It's on Instagram and it's you can get it wherever you listen to podcasts. Beautiful. And you guys will have all the links in there of all the things we talked about today. So do not worry. Thank you so much, Ashley, for joining me today. It was a very fun conversation to have with you. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you haven't already done so, please leave a review for the episode or the podcast in general anywhere you listen. If you're looking for the show notes for this episode, you'll find them at ericabelanger.com slash 137. Before you go, I just want to say a last thank you to the growing team behind this podcast for their support in making this possible. And that includes all our premium members. Once again, thank you for listening and until next time.